0: Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramly John. Welcome to episode 115 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramly John. And today I'm going to be talking to Sonia Thompson. Without knowing it, you might be creating marketing campaigns that signal to customers that they don't belong there. Sonia Thompson, she is the CEO of Thompson Media Group. She also gives actionable strategies that you can start implementing right away. In episode 115, you learn how to first reevaluate your ideal customer avatar so it's more inclusive. Second, how to make cultural intelligence a priority in your organization. And third, how to audit your customer experience so it's more inclusive. Now before we jump in, I've created all the actionable tips in a one-page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal my free growth cheat cheat You can go to growtoday.fm forward slash 115 to get it now. You can also find this link in the description of this show. Now get it now because when I publish the next episode, this week's cheat sheet will be gone forever. <laughs> I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now this folks helped cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools. So, I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Thanks to 42 Agency. Now, 42 Agency works with high growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get $500 in free consulting time, you can visit them at growthtoday.fm forward slash 42. Now, for about me, let's jump in in my chat with Sanya. Hey everybody, I am excited to talk to Sonia. We're going to be talking about a really cool topic I've been thinking about, uh, inclusive marketing. But before we do, how's it going Sonia? How are things with you?
1: It's things are great. Things are great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, you know, before before we jump in, uh I didn't put this in the question list, but I'm curious, what was the first concert you've ever attended like live?
1: LL Cool J when I was in no high way. school. It was, it was an LL Cool J, R. Kelly combination concert. I think I was 17. <laughs> um,
0: that was in the 90s. Yeah, that was my high school days. I, I listened yeah. to LL Cool J, uh, Jay-Z. Uh, I was a nerd. I was a nerd who loved hip-hop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm still a big LL Cool J fan. Like His rap is like a different... Rap it. I'm not really into rap so much, but like I remember loving LL Cool J's style and just all his songs. Like so, yeah. If it were to put it on right now, I'd be grooving. So <laughs> how yeah. about his acting? He started
0: <laughs> acting, right? Have you seen any of his shows?
1: I mean, you know, I have, I have. He he was in a movie that I really love. It was a it's a really. It's a romantic comedy, normal, corny romantic comedy, but I love them, right? So he was in one called Last Holiday. Oh Koma yeah, Tima. it's on Netflix. Um,
0: I didn't know. I didn't even know he was on that. Cool. I'll go, I'll go check that out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a really sweet christmas movie but it's a really sweet movie any period but if you're watching it during christmas that's course, cool well yeah, thanks for sharing
0: that i i should have put that in the question list. i'm like trying to change it up have a fun chat first <laughs> anyway let's let's talk about marketing i'm i'm also curious about your story past you know what is your story of how you became a marketing <laughs> consultant
1: Sure. Um, well, I started my career in marketing and corporate. I worked for Johnson and Johnson, and I um, did several internships with other uh, large pharmaceutical companies. And I was there with J and J in particular for nine years. Um, and I knew in year one that corporate America wasn't for me, but I stayed. Right, um, and it just—I just always wanted to have my own business. Uh, so even though I stayed. Uh, I was able to pick up lots of, you know, continue my skills in marketing, pick up other, you know, skills that were relevant. Um, But after nine years, uh, I realized it was just time for me to go and go out on my own. Um, So I quit and started my business um, to become a marketing consultant. And my focus there whenever I quit was to really focus on the Mm. customer experience. I had written a book uh, called delight inside where it's all about um, customer experience and how to delight your customers. And that was really the place where um, my heart was because I Loved it when I was delighted Mm. by businesses, but always was super frustrated whenever you saw businesses who had a ton of potential, but for whatever reason, the business part of running a business wasn't quite right. And as a customer, you know, your experience wasn't great. So um, I just really wanted to kind of focus on making sure that um, businesses knew how to deliver Not only experiences that didn't frustrate their customers, but remarkable ones that make them, you know, just kind of want to talk about uh, you over and over again to your friends and come back to you again in the end and uh, give you their loyalty. Um, So from there, I started, um, you know, focusing on content marketing, figuring out how I could uh, uh, get people to know more about me and the work that I do. So uh, I ended up um, eventually, um, I started guest posting and then um, worked my way. Into being able to, I got a column at Inc. and a column wow. at Forbes, and I write for some of the other uh, large publications like Entrepreneur and Success. Uh, and then uh, just working with clients on customer experience. And of late, I've started more into um, as a extension of customer experience, talking more about inclusive marketing um, and helping brands reach diverse and niche consumers um, because. I think a lot of them are delivering experiences, customer experiences that push uh, diverse and consumers away versus attracting them. So it's, it's part of the customer experience umbrella and just want to bring some more awareness That's cool. to that.
0: I, uh, I, it's really fascinating. I actually started in corporate, I guess, Canada, corporate Canada. Uh, I worked at PepsiCo for <laughs> four years, so I was in okay. their analytics and marketing department, but yeah, you're right. I'm in the same boat. Um, I definitely knew it wasn't for me. stuck it out. I, I want to <laughs> jump at that. I want to talk a little bit about inclusive marketing and creating experiences that mm-hmm. are more inclusive. Before we jump on examples, why is it so important for for marketers and for brands to really think about yeah, make, making sure your marketing campaigns are inclusive?
1: Mass marketing uh, doesn't really work mm-hmm. anymore. Um, in a... Customers, one from a demographic standpoint. If we look at just purely um, the numbers, we're moving quickly towards uh, a minority-majority mm-hmm. society, and beyond just race and um, you know demographics, like race and, and ethnicity. There are a number of differences that customers have across the board that they're bringing with them as they're interacting with companies. Uh, so, me, for instance, uh, I'm a black woman. Um, I'm follow a gluten free diet. I'm left handed. Uh, I'm an expat. I live in Argentina. Um, I'm in a mixed race marriage. My husband is Argentine, and now we have a uh, a biracial child who is also going to be bilingual. Right. So, the, there's a lot of differences that exist for me in particular, that change the way I interact with brands. Um, And it's not just me. There are a number of people across the board. And as we think more about being a global society and building global brands and global businesses and just in thinking about the types of people who have the problems that your business solves, we have so many different backgrounds um, and different nuances that Even though we've got similar psychographics that allow us to be able to be great fits for businesses, those demographic changes and those demographic differences that we have change the way we interact with and receive the messages and view the products, the services, and experiences. And if brands and companies don't start thinking beyond just a one-size-fits-all approach, then Uh, They're not going to be equipped to win these customers or keep these customers. Um, And it's not just these customers. It's the people who were in their inner circle um, who love them as well. Because if you don't cater to one group of person, their friends um, who care about them and want to spend time with them, they will leave you as well at the same time. So it's, it's broader than just um, one customer group. It's the spillover effect and if you want to stay relevant, uh, if you want to grow, you need to plug the leaky bucket and serve people who don't neatly fit into what's considered mainstream. That totally makes
0: sense. I love that example of leaky, bu- leaky bucket. Um, but I think often it, it, you know, brands don't think that they're being ex- exclusive, but they actually do. You, in, I saw a video of you at uh, Shine Bootcamp where you gave this presentation about three common. Uh-huh. Mistakes that they, it's, it's not something that they do on purpose, but it actually come across as saying no to certain demographics. Like you said, what, what were those, what are those three common mistakes?
1: Okay. Uh, So the first one, um, and I just kind of alluded to it is that the one size fits Mm -hmm. all is a lie. Right. Um, And. I think, as a brand, as marketers, it's easier to focus your resources on one large mm. group of people, or to think that whenever you have an offering that um, it's just gonna work for everybody. And that isn't really the case. Um, and so the example that um I like to use, like I mentioned, I follow a gluten free diet. And whenever I go to a restaurant, there are a lot of times, there are very mm. few things on the menu yeah. that I'm able to eat. And I follow gluten-free diet, but there are plenty of people who have other dietary restrictions, whether they're vegetarian or they're vegan or um, they have diabetes and they want to follow um, a sugar-free diet. Like, There's just a number of different um, things that exist. People have food allergies. And you can't serve everybody, but it's naive to think that as a customer, we have to adapt mm, to you, that's good. to yeah. fit to you. Because more and more, there are options to be able to serve niche customer groups. There are entirely gluten-free restaurants. There, um, there are uh, restaurants that cater to... Um, a number of people with different you know dietary restrictions, whatever it is there there's and it's not just restaurants it exists online it exists in all types of businesses where people are getting more and more vocal uh, customers about wanting to make sure that their needs are being met and not being forced to just sort of deal with whatever a company offers them. Um, business is about belonging and people want to make sure that, the brands and the the brands that they're interacting with make them feel like they belong. And if they don't feel that way with you, they're going to go off in search of another company. Um, that does make them that feel totally that makes way. sense.
0: Yeah. And I, I never really thought about it. You're right. One side, one size doesn't really fit all. What is the second ex- example?
1: The second one is that representation hmm. matters. Uh, so, um, Your customers want to see themselves or who they aspire to be reflected in the imagery and the products and services that you use, um, that you, that you present and you, that you, you, you're delivering. Uh, one of the examples that, um, I use to showcase this point is that a few years ago I was on Instagram and I was... I saw came across an influencer who I follow, and she had a sponsor's post in her feed where she was talking about this super cool uh, line of um, travel clothes. And I, I'm a travel. I travel a lot, and you know I like to be comfortable when I'm traveling. Especially now, whenever I travel, it's it's an international flight mostly. And you want to be comfortable, but you don't want to look like you're, you know, you don't want to look like you're <laughs> dressed to be super comfortable, right? Um, so anyway, I, I um, was in a shopping mood, and I whipped out my credit card, and then I clicked through to the, uh, the Instagram account of the brand that she had mentioned. Whenever I got to their account, I quickly saw that there weren't any photos of people yeah. who looked like me. Again, right. I'm a black woman. And then I started scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. And because it now became like a bit of a mission, like yeah. I wanted to find someone who looked like me. I didn't find anyone anywhere in that account wow. and um, my yeah. feelings were hurt. So I put my credit mm. card away. Um, so if you think about it, that brand did everything right, right in terms of their marketing mm. funnel, the building um, you right. know, their influencer marketing, getting someone to go over to their account to make a purchase, but what happened? Because I did not see myself reflected in the imagery right. that they produce, they lost the sale and they lost, you know, the potential of me loving the clothes and you know buying them, buying them repeatedly, and telling my friends about them. And that happens, but I'm sure yeah. more often um, brands realize that they do all the things that they um, should be doing. To attract a broader group of customers, but um, they are sending signals that they don't even realize that you wow. don't belong here to groups of people. Whenever they don't see themselves or they don't um, focus on representation. One of the other things I like to illustrate, like the flip side of this, is I don't know. Are you yeah, into movies? Course. Like, did <laughs> I you love movies? Did you did you did you watch? Um, are you into yep. like the Marvel yeah. series? All right, so um, I was not at all. But when Black Panther <laughs> came out, me and a group of friends, cool. we all went yeah. to see Black Panther. Like it was a big event. Um, in that you know it was an pretty almost an yeah. all-black cl- cast, all black cast, almost all black uh, crew, and I didn't think one thing about a Marvel movie previously. But whenever I saw myself represented. We, Me and lots of other people, we went in droves to see this movie. And what happened? Black Panther records. broke yeah. all kinds yeah. of box office records, right? Because people saw themselves represented mm. on the screen and they went to go support. They went to go and they spent their money um, because it was meaningful to them. People who are traditionally underserved right. um, will go and spend their money. Same thing happened if you're sitting with the movie thing um, with Wonder yeah. Woman, whenever that came out. Um, and Box office, mm. office records. When Crazy Rich Asians came out, it yeah. broke box office records because people who aren't used to traditionally seeing themselves represented, whenever they had the opportunity, they went and spent their money in a place where people were putting them at the forefront. And no, that's yeah. good. No, <laughs> that's
0: really good. The other thing I'm thinking about, and it might not be related to marketing, is that it it helps. You know, my, my teacher my my wife is a, a preschool teacher, and it. Things like that gives mm-hmm. people uh, like young kids to something to look up to, like a role model. That hey, that person looks like me. Yeah. I can become Black Panther, or I can be Wonder Woman, right? You could, yeah. like even like with Disney with the that that princess. I, f- I forgot that movie, but like
1: That's right, yeah, right. It, <laughs> it really
0: does. Uh, you know, all the princess pr- previously to that were were white, and now they have somebody to be be role model to essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and this, you see this happen in marketing quite a bit. Um, like if you were to peruse Twitter, for instance, I think people are working hard to change this now, but you were, for a good while you would see um, the hashtag all male panel. Right. Oh my or, goodness. You're um, right. Mantle, right. Right. Where people were, you know, going to conferences and they were just mm. fed up with seeing panels that were full of just men. Um, you know, and it's just representation matters. Like if you're going to go to a conference, if you're going to spend your money somewhere, your time, Mm. your energy, you want to be able to see somebody who reflects you because it's not that there aren't people who look like you or who have the same, um, uh, experiences or backgrounds as you. It's not that they don't exist in the area that you're interested in. It's just that, perhaps these marketers didn't um, put the effort
0: into making sure that they, I think that's a big point is the effort. I think it's easier, you know, and that's happens with the the bro culture that with, with startups is because you hire people that, you know, so your network in college are more likely than not like, you know, they know, they know each other. So they hire people who are like them. So it's, it's adding that extra effort to actually look for it. Right.
1: Absolutely. You do have to make the effort. And uh, the effort mm. is totally worth it. But that's not making the effort or not being aware because you have a, a pretty homogenous network of people makes it mm. easy for you to, um, you know, focus on the masses or focus on people, but focus on people who are generally everybody right. focuses on. But whenever you start to pay attention to the people who are traditionally underserved. These are groups that will be very loyal to brands who take the time and the effort um, to see them and to serve their needs whenever most other that totally brands makes are sense.
0: not. There was something in your presentation, you talked about lazy marketers. I forgot the exact quote, but yes. is it related to this, that the idea of...
1: I mean, it, that one was more so. Okay, situated, let's talk about the third point. Good segue. I didn't find that. The third, right? The third point um, was the third mistake that brands uh, make that like push would-be loyal customers away is at being very superficial in their approach to trying to reach um, diverse customers. So, for instance, you see this a lot uh, during Pride Month. In June, a lot of times brands will just put up a rainbow or or something, right? To it's Pride Month, we're happy, we're 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 supportive, but that is that's pretty lazy, right? Um, Because it doesn't actually show that you have any connection with the LGBTQ plus community. It shows that it doesn't showcase that um, you support them all year long. It appears like you. It could appear that you are really just trying to capitalize on the thing that everybody else is doing, or, you know, you don't want to look like you're not supportive. So we'll put up a rainbow, um, to make it look like we're in here and like, check that box. We're done. Um, cultural intelligence is really what this boils down to is Mm. not optional. Uh, especially if you want to serve diverse communities and niche communities, you cannot be lazy. You have to take the time to understand and connect with the community at a lo- at a deeper level to develop a degree of customer intimacy so that you don't produce marketing that you then have to recall <laughs> and say, whoops, we're sorry, you know, it was so culturally insensitive. Whoops, we're sorry, we didn't know that we were, you know, offending right. people. But you've seen large brands do, all, like, a lot as of late. Um, they've done it in, you know, 18, uh, a number of them have had to, like, pull back on products um, and their marketing, um, because they've been culturally offensive in some way. Uh, and that's because there was just a lack of cultural intelligence. Um, and you know, that can translate into laziness and in marketing in terms of, you know, not taking the time to really understand at a true level, who it is you're serving, what are the hot buttons? What are the things that allow you to speak to them in a way that makes sense? So that it's not like you're just trying to translate something that you created for the masses and make it work for them. Um, like actually, you have to take the time to do the work to make sure that you are sending the signal that you belong here, versus just hey, come on, buy my stuff. You know, I, I, I want I wanted you to buy it too. Like you have to make sure that you are putting forth the effort to produce marketing that speaks to these diverse customer groups.
0: When we come back in just a moment, Sonya shares how marketers can create more inclusive buyer personas. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, 42 agency works with high growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. They've worked with some amazing companies like Onfleet, HubDoc, GasLogic, Flexday, and more. And to top it off, I actually know the founder of 42 Agency, Camille Rexton. And he knows his stuff. So go reach out to him. You can, he's actually offering a free $500 consulting time for grow today listeners. You can visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find the link in the description, it'll, it'll redirect to their, this special offer. One more thing, don't forget to download the free growth cheat sheet for this episode. It has all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal mine You can take all the actionable tips from this episode and apply it to your business to accelerate the growth even faster. You can find the link in the description of this show. Download it now before I take it away because it'll only be up until next week. Enough about this, let's jump back into my chat with Sonia you know where I see you were speaking one thing that came to mind is the whole Black Lives Matter where people a lot of brands were posting up just the the black square and prior to that <laughs> and that was it it was just like we posted up this black square like what what are you doing next what are the concrete ways that you're supporting yes. you know uh, people of color and other things like that so you know that, that's my question to you It's like how can you um, how, how can brands and people inside companies be more, be more of an ally to, to people of color?
1: It starts again with what we were just talking about, um, customer mm. intimacy, right? Um, so if you think about, if you think about the customers that you're trying to serve and the type of relationship that you want to have with them, it needs to be a mm. real relationship. Yeah. Right. Um, and whenever you have a true relationship with somebody, you know, them at a deeper level, it's not superficial. Um, so you know how to communicate with them. You know, you want to support them. You want them to thrive. Um, you want them to be around in the things that you're doing. So you're working on making sure that, um, whenever they're with you, um, that they are, Mm. they feel welcome, that they're comfortable and that they're going to have a good experience. Right. So when it comes to brands who want to, um, attract, uh, the, the black community or the black consumer, um, or any customer group in particular, that's not necessarily part of the mainstream. You have to think about how are you going to build a relationship over time? It's not, you know, putting up the square, you know, on, on, and that, like that, that was good on that day, but what people want to see is, are you here mm. for the long term? Do you care about me as a person more than just my right. credit card over the long term? And how do you do that? You work on building a relationship with me and the community in a way that demonstrates that you care and that we have the same values. Uh, a lot of, For a lot of brands, and there was a lot of talk, one for the brands who didn't say anything about the Black Lives Matter movement that wasn't good. So I, I think they a lot of lost the customers in that way. But for those who just put up a post and didn't do anything else, that caused mm. damage as well because it seemed like their message was, again, superficial and it didn't go far enough to showcase that actually we mm. mean what we say. If We're, we're standing with the Black community. Um, that means that we're actually doing the work to make sure that our own internal team is representative of the people that we serve. Um, that we are actually um, working to make sure that our marketing, um, the products and services, um, the people, the organizations that we align ourselves with, the suppliers and, that we work with are actually representative of the customers that we serve. So it's more of just saying, it's, it's not just saying, I stand with you or putting up a social media post. It's actually uh, demonstrating indeed an action in the way you run your business. Um, Not just in this moment, but on an ongoing basis that, you know, you are an ally, that you are a place where people, um, black people or whatever community in particular that you're want to make sure that you're serving feels Mm, like they belong. That totally makes sense.
0: Good, good response. I want to talk a little bit about practical things that marketers can do. I read, I never really thought about it, but you you mentioned it in this copyhackers post that you talked about creating inclusive buyer personas. You know, we talked already about why it's important. How can people create, how can marketers create more inclusive buyer personas?
1: Well, first it's, you got to go back and reevaluate. There are a couple of mistakes that brands make with their buyer personas and buyer Mm. personas are great. Like the idea of course, is that you can't serve Mm. everyone. So you're gonna, you're going to be excluding, um, groups of customers, but the, the key with inclusive marketing is to make sure that you are intentionally choosing who you're going to exclude and intentionally choosing who you're Mm. going to include. Right? So a lot of times, whenever, um, brands are putting together a persona, um, the first challenge that they, the first mistake that they make is they make it too much mm, like them. Yeah. Right. Um, so let's say, um, you want to, you have a brand and you want to serve women, but you yourself are a white woman. You might describe or you define your persona that, um, <laughs> is like <laughs> a white you. woman. And, not, and, and and it's not that, but there are plenty of other women who, or have the problem that your business solves. But if you have in your mind sort of this defined this persona as a white woman, the marketing that you might put out, um, as a result of that could make you limit, um, black women, Latino women, um, Asian women, people, women, of, you know, across the board who don't fall into the category of white women. Right. So if you think about, um, the 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 people who have the problem that your business solves and you think about all the ways in which they can be different right um you can make a list are they left-handed are they uh overweight are they um do they have dietary restrictions um are they part of the lgbt Mm. community do they have any sort of disabilities whatever it is make a a list of all types of different uh, ways in which they can be different are they married are they single do they have kids are they in a blended family? Whatever that is. And then pick and choose who do we want to serve and who do we not want to serve? Do they speak a different language? Are they in the U.S.? Are they, you know, there's all different ways that they can be different. And you, again, you can't serve everybody, but the key is to be intentional about it. Now, if you find that, um, then you can sort of massage and rework your persona to make sure that it's more inclusive of the, of the groups and types of people who have this right. problem that you want to solve. If you find that you need to adjust the marketing that you produce to better serve a particular group, that means that you need another right. persona. You need more than one, which is a separate, another problem that people have with their personas is they mm-hmm. have too few of them. Um, so an example that I, um, I, I like to use for this is uh, Nike, for instance. Uh, Nike, um, a couple of years ago, came out with the pro hijab. Right, yeah. Um, line of sportswear to for specifically for Muslim women. Um, so they, uh, Muslim women were a group that very much was underserved. Um, it's not that they're not athletes, they were just having to find, um, they're, they are athletes and they were just having to find these workarounds to make sure that they were able to mm. keep their hijab um, while they were engaging in their different sports. So Nike was able to, I imagine they went through this process and they realized, okay, this is a group that we're not serving that we want to serve where it's going to require a different product and different marketing associated with that promotions. So that requires a different, um, a different, uh, buyer persona so that they can do what they need to do to meet that particular group. So make sure that your persona isn't too much like you make sure that you have enough. And then going back to what we were talking about before is make sure that your persona goes sufficiently deep enough that you would understand your customer at at a deep enough level so that you can produce the products and the services and experiences that speak to the groups that you are trying to reach, Mm. that you are intentionally choosing to serve.
0: That's such a good thing to think about. Are there any other things that marketers should be thinking about to make sure that they're launching campaigns that are inclusive?
1: Make cultural intelligence Mm. a priority, right? Um, So... May, and it's it's not something that you're going to take a course on once and right. then you're going to get it, right? It's evolving. It's something that you're constantly going to be figuring out, um, constantly going to be thinking about as you're figuring out who you're going to be serving. And But culture changes. So because culture changes um, on an ongoing basis, you want to make sure that you're a part of the culture. You want to make sure that you're able to be a part of the conversation, that you're able to shape it, um, but that you're not the one who's you know, being dragged kicking and screaming to sort of kind of conform to it, or the one who is making all kinds of mistakes, because you didn't make the effort to try and speak to people in a way or engage people in a way that um, is appropriate and, you know, culturally relevant versus Mm. culturally inappropriate, right? So make sure that you put in the work to make sure that you're understanding people and diversifying your circle of influence and your inputs and building relationships with a broad group of people. And if you find that you want to serve diverse customers, that you're not just doing market research, you know, on a level and following a a report and then kind of basing your whole marketing based on that, but that you're really doing the work to build um, customer intimacy and to deepen that level of customer intimacy so, that you can produce marketing that isn't at a mm. superficial level, but that actually demonstrates to the people that you want to serve that you belong here. We see you, we get you. Um, you are welcome here. We've created this mm. space just for you. We, we had you in mind, um, and we've taken into account your your thoughts, your ideas, your different points of view, your experiences. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're not trying to force you to conform to this sort of one way of doing things that a lot of times.
0: Companies that totally makes sense. To I want to talk a little bit about any, you, you brought up a lot of examples for you, but any case study that's like, oh, for brand that did the before and after, and they implemented a more inclusive marketing. And this were the the result because, you know, people might be listening to this podcast um, and they're thinking, oh, man, this is a lot of effort, but you know, is there a case study mm-hmm. that really shows how much worth it the uh, Putting in this effort is.
1: Yeah, so one of the examples I like to use is mm. Rihanna. Um, when she launched a couple years ago with Fenty Beauty, um, which whenever she launched, she launched with 40 wow. different shades of foundation. <laughs> 40 different shades of foundation. Why? because she wanted a global brand she wanted to be inclusive she wanted women all over the world to be able to find their shade of foundation whenever they went to the store what happened they sold out of the they sold out of you know the makeup in i think the first weekend um, you would see women all over the world particularly women who are of darker who had darker complexions oh. crying in videos, you know, talking about this is the first time ever that I've been able to oh. find my shade. Um, and I believe they, in their first month got, um, made or 72 million. Um, I am going to, I'm messing up the numbers. I'm fudging the numbers, but they were very profitable. Um, and they exceeded a lot of expectations and really shook up, Um, the fashion world, so much so, not fashion world, the the beauty industry, so much so that you see a lot more brands who have been in existence for a long period of time are now starting to expand their product line um, to be able to cater to Women who have different complexions, um, and they're starting to do that. Just because they've seen the type of response has been overwhelming, um, not just emotionally, but in the sales. Um, You know, the mentions that they had on social media, the the sales that they had overall on an ongoing basis, it resonated with people in a big way. um, That she, from the very beginning, was inclusive. Um, and wanted to make sure that no one felt left.
0: That out. totally makes sense. That w- that's a really great example. Um, I want to start wrapping up and two final questions. One of them I really love asking. If you had one piece of a, one or two pieces of advice to a marketer who's probably early on on their career, you know, you've 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 done the corporate thing. Now you're doing your own thing. What would be your advice to to that marketer who's probably is working in a co- uh, company because they're just trying to figure out who they are and what they want to do.
1: you're only going to learn like embrace imperfection mm-hmm. right um embrace imperfection because that's where all the learning comes from and making sure not wanting to make mistakes in not wanting to make mistakes keeps people from doing a lot in making progress so i like to say i tried to learn french 3 <laughs> times right I tried to learn French three times and I am not fluent in French. I'm not close to being fluent. I'm nowhere near. I don't speak <laughs> French. I don't. <laughs> All right? Why don't I speak French after trying three different times? Because I didn't practice. And I didn't practice because I I was discouraged by the times where I would like people would correct me because I wasn't right. pronouncing things right and I was super self-conscious so I just didn't practice. I am fluent in Spanish now. I live in a Spanish-speaking country. Um, I'm married to someone who speaks Spanish, who we, we speak Spanish exclusively whenever we speak. And I like to say that I am imperfectly fluent in Spanish. How did I become fluent in Spanish? Because I made a decision that I am going to mm. make mistakes. But what was more important was
0: right. speaking
1: and trying and, and engaging with people and what happened it wasn't important that I was saying things perfectly or I had great grammar yeah. or my pronunci- pronunciation was just right. The thing that mattered most to the people who I was interacting with was that I was trying. And because I was trying, they spoke back with me, they interacted with me, they corrected me only whenever it impacted um, mm. understanding Right. Or whenever I made the mistake all the time and they were like, okay, this is what you're <laughs> saying wrong. <laughs> you know, like, so that way they're right. just kind of helping me. Right. Um, my husband just corrected me on something the other day that I was like, I had no idea had, I'd I've I'd been saying this thing wrong for a year. And he, you know, he's like, okay, no, this isn't quite it. But, um, it, but that got me to the point to where I'm comfortable. I, it doesn't hurt my feelings to right. be corrected. Um, because I'm just trying to get it right. And it, improved my progress so once i embrace the fact that i'm going to make mistakes but learning and progressing is more important um it changed things for me and i now i'm not telling the story about how many times i tried to learn spanish and failed right um because and that principle works in business and whatever it is that you're trying to learn if you're trying to be more inclusive in your marketing understand that you're going to make mistakes at times. time it's okay but as you're trying people are going to see that you're trying It's going to be okay. Um, as you're trying to learn and do different things in your career, your, everything's not going to be perfect. Um, you're going to make some falls, but Mm. it's okay because those are going to string together what you need to know to put you in the right direction and on the path and the journey of what you should be doing. So just fully embrace imperfection, Know that it's not, everything is not going to be a bed of roses and know that that is going to get you in the place where you need to be.
0: Yeah. You're totally right. Like making those mistakes have made me learn faster and quicker than I did if I was just trying to wait until his profit can actually launch it. And just one final question. You know, this is your time to call to action. Where where would people, where do you want to send people? Do you want to send them to your website? Do you want them to follow your Twitter? Or like, what is your call to action to my listeners?
1: Uh, go to my website, SoniaEThompson.com. There you'll find, um, you can find all <laughs> things <laughs> um, in terms of like all uh, the articles that I've written both on uh, inclusive marketing um, and customer experience and my columns on Inc. and Forbes. Uh, you can find more resources. Uh, you can find links to my social media handles if you'd like to follow along there. Um, so yeah, Sonia E. Thompson. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks so much for your time, Sonia. I really appreciate it.
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that's it for this episode i also want to remind you to download my free growth cheat sheet with all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page pdf why take notes about this podcast when you can just steal mine go to growtoday.fm forward slash 115 to get it now You can also find this link in the description of the show before I end, I also want to thank the sponsor for this episode. Now this folks helped cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Thanks to 42 Agency, now 42 Agency works with high growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get $500 in free consulting time, visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 that will redirect to their special offer. Before I go, I also want to ask you if you've been enjoying this show for the past few episodes, you can also support me in three easy ways. First, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find out more about the show. Second, you can share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn. You can friend about this podcast as well. And third, you can join the Growth Today mailing list where you'll get the cheat sheet directly emailed to you so you don't have to keep coming to the site and downloading it. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Ramly John. Keep safe, and as always, keep on growing.